Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, May 28th. This is episode 194. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. And, oh, we've got a lot of video games today. We do have pinball. There's some. Yeah. We have a little bit. Uh, No new Patreon members. As a reminder, uh, you can join us, Eclectic Gamers, patreon.com slash Eclectic Gamers Podcast. And it's as low as a dollar a month. And I already have the baby's first for June ready to go. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be about one of the new, like, major five releases that we've recently seen. I probably... We'll do those for I, if I get motivate myself. I still have some older babies first that I did back before we shared started them. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've sh- I've shared a few of them from time to time with folks so over the year. I've been doing them for years, but this motivates me to do new and they're fun to do. But then I end up playing around in the photo edit for <laughs> the editor. It forever. All, yeah. yeah, it's like oh, I just wasted an hour uh, giving a duck the best sunglasses I think he could wear sort of thing uh so anyway that so that's that uh for in terms of patreon plugs um what's been going on over the last couple weeks tony um not a whole lot uh Mm. it's that time of year where vacations are starting so there's lots of stuff going on uh getting ready for a couple big projects at work um i did record a video for the youtube Yes, you were telling me about this. Explain to the listeners because you've been of two minds about releasing. I, I have, it. and I, I haven't. I still haven't decided. So I recorded a video uh, that was me starting a playthrough from the newest version of the Rule the Wave series, Rule the Waves Three, which is the first one that's easily available. It's available on Steam. Previously, all of the other versions of Rule the Waves were kind of like, you know take your 30 bucks and hand it to Jimmy and Jimmy will take it and give it to a guy and then they'll get you, they'll, they'll email you the, the download instructions to it type thing. Okay. But, uh, so I started a playthrough and I recorded the whole thing and I, and, 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 and talked about it. And as I went through and edited and watched it, I realized, you know, as much fun as this game is to play, it's really boring to watch because it's basically spreadsheets. It's like, oh, here's my fleet. That because I started, I started as the Italians because I like to start as the Italians, and it's like, okay, here's here's my starting fleet. Okay, all these ships are crap. So first thing I'm going to do is design some new ships and start building them. So I designed some new ships and I started building them and I started adjusting. You know my budget and my research budget and playing all these games and starting some spying and doing this and that. And the whole thing, it sounds really interesting when I say it does. It I, this sounds like a game I would enjoy. And, and then when you actually play it, it's super interesting and fun. And then when you watch somebody else playing it, it's like sitting over somebody's shoulder and watching them play Excel. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have not put it up yet. I think I probably will. But we only is. have like 82 subscribers, so it, you can't really do that much damage to our YouTube channel. Right. So I didn't do too much damage because at one point <laughs> I was live streaming me playing Battletech. Right. Of multi-hour sessions. I remember that. Many of which could also have been considered to be quite boring and then uploading it to the YouTube as well. But in the course of all of this at work... We're having a contest kind of thing uh, where they're having people work has like work face is what I call it. It's like Facebook for work. Okay. Uh, uh, But it's just within work and it has no outside connections, but we're, they're running a contest. It's like, Oh, people please tell us about, you know, 
you secretly run a podcast. I don't secretly run a podcast. Everybody knows I run a podcast. It's what everybody knows because I talk about it quite often. Uh, but, or, you know, you were in a play or you used to be in a band or some stuff like that. So I was going to go through and I was like, well, I don't really have anything, but I remember we did those marathon, um, commentary streams. From oh, the Kansas City oh, pinball championship, yeah, KCPC. The first two years, we yeah. Did that. And I was going to post. I was going to throw one of those up there, and I looked at it, and I pulled up the 2018 one, and I started watching it. And I'm like, well, first, holy crap, was I skinny in 2018? I mean, that was your big weight loss. Year. I did. I lost like a hundred pounds that year, and, and you can tell. Uh, and then second, I'm watching it and I'm just like jumping to clips like this is a 10 plus hour video. <laughs> yes. yes. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to throw this up there. It, it's fine. It's fine. I'm just not going to enter this contest. Yeah. But it, I'm, I'm, I, I jumped around. I watched some stuff. I thought about there. You did, you had put together a little clip show of like funny bits. Yeah. That one was like under five minutes. That one. Yeah. Really? All right, under 10 minutes. It was under 10 minutes, but I thought about maybe just throwing that one up there, but half of the stuff in there, if you're not a pinball person, no, makes zero sense. It was only sense. funny to pinball people. It was only funny to pinball, so I'm like, ah, It's like, look I'm, at this joke about Tron. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, the people are going to love it. Oh. Yeah. Like, like the only joke in there that made sense to people who didn't know anything about pinball was when somebody stole my chair, so I was squatting down. I'm like, I'm so small. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. You are very small. <laughs> So, uh, uh, other than that, um, I did start a new audiobook, mm. and I finished the first book in the series. It's like nine books long, and I debated if I was going to go any f- deeper into the series. It is a very much a um, space opera, uh, very <laughs> – this is not Foundation – <laughs> okay. This is not double uh, vision. This 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 is not that. It uh. wishes it was that not good. Oh. <laughs> it's not terrible, but it is definitely this is the 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 space opera version of the uh uh what do they used to call them? It, you, uh, the the men's adventure books. Oh. That okay. used to you used to find oh, okay. at the in the bookstores there'd be cuz there'd be like here's the romance section and then there's the men's adventure section which is basically the male leaning version of the romance section. Mm. But it's very much that type of book. But I was listening to it as an audiobook. The writing's okay. It's very very Battlestar Galactica, which is why I I decided to go ahead and go into book two because I'm I'm enjoying it, but it's definitely it's pulling tons of Battlestar Galactica tropes into it, uh, and, and some serious Mary Sue characters in it, none of whom are the main character. <laughs> They're all the I mean they literally have their version of Starbuck who can do <laughs> literally everything, and she's the perfect cook and the perfect wife and the perfect spy and you the know- perfect this and the perfect that. But the thing is, is the narrator is like a 90s audiobook narrator. Very flat, low inflection. Most of the characters sound identical. So I was thinking about not continuing because of that. I decided to continue. And somebody must have gave him some feedback that he needs to make characters sound a little different. Maybe having the 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 one of the most commonly voiced characters 
having just the slightly higher range octave, slightly more feminine version of the main character's voice, not such a great idea since they interact constantly. Got to give her a little bit more soul. Deep Bronx here. I mean, book one, she sounded just like the main character. Mm -hmm. Book two, she has like a deep, like Brooklyn or Bronx accent. Apparently, the only accents this guy can do is his kind of normal, no real accent, just kind of mushy thing. New Jersey, Brooklyn or Bronx, or like the north of England. That's it. <laughs> and some of them make no sense because like it's just for the characters to have changed so massively to go from like oh I'm talking about a fusion drive and this and that and this like monotone no inflection no soul voice to having a very similar conversation but it's the full on hey I'm walking here mm. type thing going on and I started the second book, and that that conversation happened in like the first fifteen minutes of the second book, and I and I just finished the first book like just immediately before and jumped to the next one, and it was just so jarring. I'm like, oh man, whoa, that's rough. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting. I don't know if I'm going to finish the whole series, but I, I'm I'm I might switch I might switch to the books, but it has definitely been. The story's fun. It's just the narration is rough and it is very trope heavy. And it, you can tell that it, it's very much a self publish uh, type thing. Well, that, that did make me, you brought up something that raised a question in my mind. And we don't need to spend a lot of time on it because I, I don't think many of the listeners will necessarily care. But why do you think that there has been an acceptance, uh, not universal, but I'll say more broadly, that Starbuck can do everything, but it's not cool that Michael Burnham can do everything? Like, where do you think that line's drawn? Because I th felt like Starbuck was celebrated. Uh, yeah, for those who haven't seen the reboot, Battlestar Galactica is the one I'm specifically talking about with uh, Katie Sackhoff as, uh -huh. as Starbuck, and then um, Michael Burnham is the is the lead character uh, by all by all structures because she's good at everything in Star Trek Discovery. Hey, I was always bothered by Starbuck. Being I remember making jokes about, oh, great, yeah, she's their best sniper, and she's their best pilot, and she's their best drinker, and yeah, she's their best right. sizzler, like she was good at everything. And I, it, I maybe it was always the same. But I don't really, I mean, because it's not like she had extra character or more character development. She was always kind of a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Like, throughout the entire series, she was kind of a terrible person. I think... The issue is not the the ability scope being the problem. I think the problem with Star Trek Discovery is they have spent so much time on Michael Burnham at the expense of the entire rest of the bridge crew, and that was not the case with Battlestar Galactica. That's very true. Because yeah. while Starbuck could do everything, she was at no point would I have ever sat down and if somebody asked me, who is the number one main character in Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> I would never have said Starbuck. Mm. Yeah, no. I, I don't think she had the most screen time. So... That's probably it. I think that's probably the answer. Well, speaking of answers, uh, in terms of what's been going on with with me, I've I've gotten through a few more chapters in in Chapter House Dune, but I'm not done yet. 
and uh, been playing a few video games. So, and I had someone uh, ask me if I was why I needed to play. I think it was more an edict that I needed to play more mainstream games, not this weird, stupid crap that I I've been playing. In which I responded, "Well, just wait till this episode drops because I got more stupid stuff that's been going on. It's more weird stuff. We're playing through the games with gold backlog is what's been going on." So I played and finished a game called Bladed Fury. It's a Metroidvania, uh, sort of set in the, you know, the, I'd say it's it's like China's favored historical period for martial arts things. It's the warlord period right, before like right. the, it's the, like the, the King the Dynasty or whatever, yeah, all that. All that. Yeah. So it's sort of set in that era, era, but it's very demon fighting oriented and stuff. Pretty pretty short, pretty straightforward. Not a whole ton of platforming elements, but I still think Metroidvania is probably the most accurate descriptor for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I've played and finished Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. That is a straight-up Castlevania clone. I mean, we're talking like Simon's Quest Castlevania II style graphics wow. and stuff. Yeah, it. I guess it was released as uh, alongside some more developed or more visual game or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, I had it in my backlog. Uh, so I went, and I believe I won the, through the story of that yesterday. So you were able to put it on three lives or casual, which was you could keep having lives, which, uh, yes, that's what we did. That's what I had to do. I want to, um, I just want to, I just want to go through the story. That's right. Uh, I mean, it's still hard. Um, and I, I had a lot of deaths, so it was good. I did that, that swap. It's like that time uh, we played yeah. the aliens game at the Dave and Buster's where we just kept feeding twenties yes. in that game except, until we beat it. Except this was free. So this, <laughs> this, so this was free and it, I spread it over multiple days and then I unlocked nightmare mode and uninstalled it. So, I'm like, no, we're not working on this game anymore. (laughs) This game is done. So that's finished. And then I've also been playing a rhythm game called Double Kick Heroes, where you are in a metal band driving in a Cadillac, which you have modified so that because it's the zombie apocalypse and as it drives along the road. You're playing a rock song and you have to hit the beats because you've set up your your double kick setup from your drum set to fire the guns. It's so stupid. I actually, uh, I've gotten to a, a zone I haven't been able to beat. Um, I tried again today. I actually have reconfigured the buttons uh, because I haven't been comfortable with the control scheme uh, to, in the hopes. But now I still remember the old control scheme, so I was hitting all the wrong buttons. So I need a break from it. But it's like it has a story. It's hard to. It's this cartoony. It's the text is not Comic Sans, but it's practically unreadable. Even with my glasses, I can barely read what they're writing because it's like this weird quasi cursive print. It just it's, and the story. It did offer an arc. I mean, they know their story sucks because they offered an arcade mode where it's like, don't don't you just want the action? Don't want to experience the story? I'm like, what story? The story is <laughs> stupid. You like have a Marilyn Manson clone that you've named Marlene Manson, and then you had a guy who's clearly Danny Trejo, and you call him machine ete and just oh man it's just no but i don't mind rhythm games normally so i've still been kind of playing it but obviously i've played some other stuff that i was able to finish (laughs) to take breaks from it so that's what i've been playing so it's all trash uh, man we just play very niche games it's just uh, it's just the way it is right now well i play niche games and you play free stuff (laughs) i mean i gotta i i one might have argued I was killing time till till, till Golem came out, but you know what? <laughs> We're going to get into that uh, later in the video game segment. But let's go ahead and, and do something not niche in the pinball segment, and that is Harry Potter. So 
you know what? What had to drop the day after we released our last episode? I know it. How's yeah. this, it always works that it's, way. It's how it works. And for those that somehow only listen to this show for pinball news, I have no idea why you would do that. But if you do, uh, surprise, Jersey Jack Pinball has been confirmed as having Harry Potter for pinball. This confirmation came from Joe Kamikow. Joe, Joe Kamikow has uh, done a lot of the Kapow collaborations with Stern. And so he's worked on a number of licensing deals. And I believe he has worked on Harry Potter licensing, not for pinball, but has worked on Harry Potter licensing before. Um, I don't really want to go a whole lot into like the the logistics of the quote unquote leak or, or what we think of this. Uh, and some people are pushing back. Some people thought claimed he was hacked. He then posted later saying he wasn't granted. Maybe he was still hacked. <laughs> My sources, and you know my sources run rampant in this industry, are this is valid, it is secured, it is in the hands of Jersey Jack Pinball. So setting aside the announcement itself, I thought we should probably have a little bit of a discussion about this. And I'd like to start with asking you, Tony, what do you think like, of the idea of Harry Potter as a license in pinball? Like, Is this a good move? I think it's an obvious move. Okay. Well, I felt stupid asking the question, but I kind of felt I had to start somewhere. No, no, it makes sense. It it, it definitely feels like an obvious of the of like modern titles. It feels like the obvious one to reach for, and maybe even more than some nostalgia titles like Back to the Future. I mean, everything seems to be a better reach for than Back to the Future to okay. me. But and I'm a fan of Back to the Future. You are. So uh, I just think there's other things to go for. I think it's one of those games that it's going to sell a lot based on theme. There's no way it's not going to. I think the big question is going to be how they handle it. Uh, we all know that this is Jersey Jack, so it's going to be Harry Potter six. Mm -hmm. That's the one they'll release, but, or let's be, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen, seen any of the memes or the stuff on Instagram or YouTube or stuff, but there's this whole new thing going around where people um, have taken and had like AI art created of the characters from the Harry Potter movies, but they're all like ripped, like gym bros, like hyper gym bros. You, you showed me a little something. <laughs> what, like, like, Harry Squatter, the boy who lifted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's what I think. That's what I think would be the perfect machine would be that the mm. joke where they just take all the lines and change them. So they're about going to the gym. You're a gym bro, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you how to brew roids. <laughs> make, Harry, make, make me drink all of the protein. Don't let me stop, Harry. <laughs> Force me to finish the protein. <laughs> Some say these number of reps are, are cold, almost cruel. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think but, they do that. No, they're not going to do that, well. but... But I've just, I've just, I, I had to. I, I've seen so many of those lately. They just crack me up every time. Uh, what do you think? Uh, some people have brought up the idea of is this going to be Jersey Jack's going to do one Harry Potter pinball? Are they going to do like maybe split split it over three machines or do a machine per book? I think there will be one game, maximum of three art packages. Okay. Since you brought up the three art package, I do agree about the one game. I hadn't really thought much about the art. Um, do you think they bring back the standard edition for Harry Potter? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think they will. I, I just I I can see them. 
there's so many movies that I can see them breaking the art package up into just an one overall art package that's everything, and then like an art package that is just like the Hogwarts people and an art package that is just like the bad guys. But the same, but the same tier of the game, or but do the you same think? They, okay, I see. Okay, I uh, I hadn't really thought that. I I have thought. Uh, I'm of two minds. One would be, could they come out with like a super collector's edition? And I don't think they do that. I, I think they still do the LE and the CE only. What I do think, um, possibly, it's been a while since they've done this. I think really since Jack hasn't really been in control of the company, but. I think it's conceivable that they might do basically a Ruby red edition after a year where they drop some new art packages and charge right. an extra $2,000 or whatever. Uh, pricing. Do you think they adjust their pricing? Oh, it'll, they'll, they'll crank their pricing up. Do you have a guess in terms of how much? I mean, currently there are LEs, which are their, their baseline model, which is limited to 5,000 units is right. I believe 12,000. And then the collector's edition, which is usually closer to a thousand units, I believe is uh, 15,000. Those are the current pricing. I mean, I think they'll probably go up at least a grand. Okay. Uh, do you have a sense? This is probably, well, a sense. More of a guess. Uh, when do you think uh, Harry Potter gets released? I think if they're if they're really pushing it, if they really want it, and they've got any work done, I'm, no, I'd, it'll be next year sometime at the earliest. Okay. I do think it does come out next year. I, I, I would expect late in the year. I do think I just don't think they have enough any work done yet. I think yeah. I think this leak dropped before they really had a chance okay. to do it. Do you think anything. they had just secured it and that's when Kamikel announced it? It was basically once it was all locked in. And I think they hadn't so. made any progress. I could be wrong. No, it, it could be early even it could be early. I don't think it's gonna be this year, is what I'm saying. See, I, I, I wonder no, I don't think so. I don't think this year. This year I I do think they do get another game out this calendar year. I think they've I think they finally turned that corner. I think they've shown it with how quickly Godfather came out after Toy Story Four. I think, you know, because we've often joked right. about how they've been talking up two to three games a year forever. But, I mean, there was a pretty quick turnaround from Toy. I mean, it was less than a year. It was less than a year. They and, were different calendar years, but it was less yeah, than a physical year. Right. And and that's the, you know, that's, I think that's the key thing is really counting from when the last game was dropped. I do think this calendar year they put out whatever Steve Ritchie's been working on. And I don't think it's... I don't think it'd be Harry Potter. I think it's whatever was already being worked on. Yeah, the rumors right. have been Elton John. Yeah. Um, I, I I could see that, especially if they put out it something. And if Harry Potter's their next big thing, I could see them dropping something that they expect to have a smaller run hmm. so that they can have it done and ready to start clearing line for what they – are I'm sure, would sure hope would be their biggest seller ever. Okay. Uh, do you have a guess in terms of who would be the designer for the game? Like, do you think it's one of the exist? So, uh, so Jersey Jack has three designers on staff currently because Lawler's retired now. Correct. They have Steve Ritchie that they you know got from Stern. They have Eric Minier who did Godfather, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Guns and Roses, and then they have Mark Seiden, who hasn't had a game come out yet. He is the person who developed the Metroid Pinball Homebrew, and then they had hired him about a. I don't know when they hired him. I was going to say a year and a half ago, but I think that was when Richie was hired. I think they'd be insane to let anybody other than Minier okay touch a title this large. That there, this title is too large 
to be given to a brand new guy who hasn't had a mid hasn't had anything huge before. Well, he hasn't had anything commercially out right. Yet. Nothing commercial, and I don't think no matter how much I like Steve Ritchie's games, I don't think Steve could do this game. Okay. Well, there was a rumor uh, with a fun Photoshop thing that was claiming that Steve left Stern because he was promised Harry Potter at JJP. Really? I don't buy it, but I've read it. I read the claim. And then they had a picture of Steve in wizard robes and that he was purportedly a huge Harry Potter fan. But, Given when he left and such, I'm not that sure that really weird. it doesn't really align with the timelines. I um, uh, most of the people I've heard, most of the other uh, pinball uh, commentators have been saying what you've said, uh, Eric Minier. I personally, you know, in a way, that's the obvious move. Uh, I disagree, though. I think because um, this is a no fail license, there's no reason not to put Mark on it. Interesting. I mean, here's the thing. Toy Story was a no-fail license, too. Had it actually been Toy Story, it would have been. So. Even, you take this exact same game we got, but themed around, like, Slinky and Mr. Potato Head and not uh, Forky or Sporky or whatever his name was, or Spoony. What was his name? I, I, I'm trash. He's, I, that's his name, is trash. He's trash. I didn't uh, watch It would the, have. Yeah. I think it could have done what Guns N' Roses did. I think it has nothing to do with the game. It was the theme that sunk that. And yes, the the high pricing for not a lot on top of the playfield didn't help. But I think there were people ready to look past that had it been all the movies or Toy Story one, which would have been the obvious and, move. And no, I, I'm you know in a way I, I'm probably you know to be blunt, I'm probably wrong about Mark because for all the reasons you and everyone else have named, like everyone's like you got to trust you got to trust Eric you got to trust Eric. But I still remember the time where Gary Stern, I don't remember if he'd been drinking or not when he said this, but I guess it doesn't really matter, when uh, Star Wars was coming out and someone at a show or something asked him a question and he you know, very uh, openly said, uh, it's Star Wars. I could sell you. I could sell a box of lights as long as it said Star Wars on it and make money. And it's the same thing with Harry Potter. There is not going to be any real standard here. I, like, like, as in the buyer's are going to be so frenzied that they're going to eat it up no matter what. Because yeah. I, and I, I start, I always think I'm, I'm being silly with that. And then I see it time and again, it seems like there's always, for, I guess this, this is why we do licenses or why they do licenses, right? Is every time something comes along, there's always someone who's like, well, I'm done buying new box pinballs, but for, and then they have this laundry list of, and maybe the laundry list is two games and maybe it's 12 of, of all these licenses where it's like, I'm, I'm done buying new box pinball, except if Venom comes out, I'm like, oh, okay. So you're not done is what you're really saying is, is you're, you mentally are in a, in a place where you can't say no just based off of the theme. Right. And, and you I, know, it, I don't understand it, but I understand it exists. So we have to acknowledge it, it. is a, that, that's very, that is a very true fact. And that is a very valid argument because it could be, I mean, I can't think of the last time that we had a license. No, I can. Toy story was the last time I think we had a license that I could have driven the kind of hype that this is. And, it drove a lot of hype early on and then it broke because of 
everything we've talked about in the past about it. Right. And the the issue being, and again, that one's extra interesting. This is an aside for, for listeners who may not be familiar. So Toy Story was a leaked uh, title, a license, known license, before Toy Story 4 was even out. Right. And as the story goes, again, with my super uh, secret sources that I have throughout the industry, was that it just, Jersey Jack took so long because they were very slow at making games and going on to new titles, that once it rolled around, they needed to basically re-up the license. And at that time, Disney was like, yo, uh, we want you to do it around Toy Story 4. And had they been faster, had the design gone faster, they would have been able to do the first one or do the trilogy or whatever the plan was. That would have been far better. Now, what complicated things was uh, Jack Winery, uh, Jersey Jack, who founded Jersey Jack Pinball, went on a podcast. I think it was a podcast and had claimed like they voluntarily like he he phrased it. He didn't say this succinctly, but basically it was, oh, no, Toy Story 4 was our choice. And then there was a live stream later with other Jersey Jack employees who worked on the game who were like, uh, again, phrased politely, but uh, no, that's not true. We were, we could have possibly argued it, but Disney was like, we want you to do Toy Story 4. And we were like, um, let's agree. <laughs> let's agree because we still think that it's worth doing. Um, so no, that I, I got the impression that they didn't really fight over Disney on the decision, but it was not originally supposed to be Toy Story. Definitely wasn't supposed to be Toy Story 4 originally. And then they got themselves in a situation where that movie was coming out and Disney was like, oh, this would be a great cross promotional thing. And then the game came out, you know, over a year after that anyway. So whatever. All right. Anyway, um, I didn't really have anything else on on Toy Story to talk about right now. I, I think we'll you mean on Harry Potter. Correct. But I'm also done with Toy Story. Okay. For that matter. Uh, I'm done talking about Jersey Jack. Unless you had anything you wanted to add, I just no. I think with what the information we have, I mean, that's all we can really yeah. do is so speculation. And if if you're if you're a Harry Potter fan and you're one of those people I described where like gameplay and stuff don't mean anything to you, and you just buy things off theme, and this is a theme you need, uh, I start saving your money because I can't imagine you're going to find it under twelve thousand new. Because that's the current low price, yeah. And I don't think they're bringing back the standards. I'm just saying, you know, start getting your financial ducks in a row so that. You so you don't know. think they're bringing back the standard either? No, no. I, I, I have a couple theories for that. I, I have three. I have three reasons. One, I think they probably feel that it there's no, like it adds complication to have three different skews, and the standard always had a significantly different bill of materials mm-hmm. ever since. Well, ever since um, Guns N' Roses, at least. And so, because maybe it was Wonka. But regardless, like, it's just a man. I just don't think they want to manage it. So that's that's point one. Two, the standards were always the worst sellers. Right. So, again, why would you, like, financially, never really made sense. It was still really expensive compared to, like, a Stern Pro. So the point of the standard, in theory, was to get operators to embrace Jersey Jack games and, and put them on route. But... It was a very different experience. Like we played the Guns N' Roses standard. We had that on location at 403. And I I, I mean, I was going to say it was fine. I bet I didn't like the game. Right. Um, I'm just, but it was very different than the one with, that was more of the stage show field because this was missing huge chunks of the play field were totally different. Um, and then the, the third reason is I've wondered in the case of Harry Potter, if 
these stories were true. And J.K. Rowling's arguments about you know not trusting pinball and all that was about the whole bar scene. I wondered if, regardless of the the rumor about you know. Uh, how or, or that Stern didn't get this license if Kamikau was working on it and all of that stuff. Saying all that aside, if Jersey Jack was able to come in and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, JK, we don't even target operators. We don't have like a, a bar ready version. We don't have a standard that's like, look at our pricing. We start at $12,000. What bar buys this game? And then we ask for what, $5 coin drop? I mean, come on, trust us. We're Jersey Jack. And then she's like, okay. So that's the third reason. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I implore you to reconsider. (laughs) Okay. Kung Pao, enter the fist. Watch it. When will we get that game, Jersey Jack? That. (laughs) It would sell terribly. That would be a dream game It would sell terribly. (laughs) But... We put put it in the pile of other stuff that's weird that people hope for, like um, like uh, Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China and uh, 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 what's the stupid one that I hate the across the eighth dimension one Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, I hate that movie. Ugh. Why do you hate Buckaroo Banzai? It's, it's so just good. It just sucks on all levels. It's just not fun. Big Bootay. Big Bootay. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well. Moving on, uh, we have a discussion topic that was requested by Blueberry Johnson. Mr. Blueberry wrote in to us, uh, based off of our last episode's coverage, where we talked about Whirlwind 2.0, and he wrote and he said, agree that the Whirlwind 2.0 creative looks like an absolute hodgepodge mess, but what would be a better 2.0 execution? That is, working with the unmodified playfield, if I recall correctly, they're only doing content changes for the display and translate. What would options for less stupid rethemes look like in terms of execution? This could be in two respects. One, audiovisual. Ways to retheme the game that are different, but not ridiculous in terms of story, visuals, modes, etc. And two, rules. Ideas for rules changes that leverage the existing layout and mechs to make for a more code depth than the original. So, basically, he wanted us to like fix 2.0, not just say this sucks. So, well, thank you so for we, writing in. We, do, we need to do more than just point to the doll and say we're 2.0 touched mm. us. Well, he would like us to do more than just point. Yeah. that's so. that, no, It's a valid criticism. Is it? Yeah, probably because yeah. I stuck it in the notes. But. Okay. Uh, fix it, Tony. How? Solve it. We can't change the layout. I agree. That's fine. I, I wouldn't want to change the layout. You can have a you can have a LCD display. You Here's can have, the thing. You can keep the scare bros. I would keep. I would not keep that. Uh, I, I I'd keep the display and everything. I would. It doesn't have to have a story. It's not necessary. I think upgrading uh, with simple changes. Add some modes, add some uh, 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 various other tweaks, things that people are more familiar with, things that have become more common. You can add that, but you don't have to build a story where farmer whatever is chasing the evil tornado and you don't need any of that. 
not everything has to be some epic like like journey. This isn't Journey to the West, the pinball machine. We we can just have a game that has fun things to shoot without trying to tell a story, and especially not a stupid story. Keep the grandmas. No, don't keep the grandmas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was so bad. Uh, but I, that's the type of thing, I think. Like, um, the changes that were made... Uh, just it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, for Beatles, the changes they made to Sea Witch. Sea Witch, thank you. Uh, uh, minor, nothing. I mean, they added a lot of nice stuff, but it didn't turn into anything crazy, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, that did have a different layout. I mean, they tweaked. They were able they, to tweak the layout. They were able to tweak so. the layout, but I mean, stuff like that just adds. Some things to it, just targets and modes and stuff without having to have the whole story and the whole explaining why you're doing anything. Why why aren't you just doing it? But that's what I would do, and that's probably why I'm not a designer. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I I feel like I'd rather just say it sucks and move on. Um, <laughs> the Well, because I'm not. I'm not a designer either. Okay. I guess in the case of whirlwind specifically, um, I'm good with the, I'm okay with the idea of going ahead and putting the LCD screen in. Uh, but like watching the gameplay, uh, footage that came out, I mean, these were super simple animations. I don't even know necessarily that I like the decision to put in that display. I get that you need to do a board set upgrade in order to have more audio, more content, uh, so uh, that's what I would do. I would have kept the alphanumeric displays. I would have gone with just changing a board out for more audio content. And I'm of two minds with this. Uh, I like your point, Tony, about the there doesn't need to be a story. This doesn't have to be a mode. It doesn't even have to be a mode driven uh, game. Um, but I do think that that's a that's a doing modes at least is a reasonable way to approach things. If you want to loosely tie it together with a story, you can, but this whole like storyboarding with adding zombies and grandmas and a poop monster, I, I just don't, there's just no value in it. Uh, and it makes something which was about a storm and turning it into something totally different. And that's where I think the first mistake was. So if I was doing Whirlwind 2.0, it would have been, I'd have kept it storm-centric. And I see one of two ways. We either keep the tornado theme or you could restructure it as like a hurricane. And because you're still kind of dealing with a, a similar, you know, cyclic wind element thing. But I would probably just keep it with the tornadoes. I would be looking at, because you have a new board set, and I don't know how everything was wired originally, so apologies, but what in terms of we could use on the layout that could be different? So you remember one of the key things about whirlwind are those annoying three spinning discs. Well, can those be individually controlled? What if you had a mode where the goal was to make certain shots and you're activating all three of those spinning discs and the mode isn't over until you've activated all three and then you hit your completion shot, which could be like the seller. That could be something where that's basically getting you to the stage, uh, EF five tornado. Uh, and as you go along, um, 
or you know what as a as a other concept kind of in the non-story vein that you had brought up instead of making that a mode making that like a bonus multiplier you activate each spinning disc if you get one going it's 2x 3x then 4x and then you're scoring because those things cost so much chaos that people don't want the discs to spin so they need to have a reason for them to spin that should be a reason another thing that could be done is you know they have the they have the one ball lock off on the left but you could reach you could change things for like a maybe like a two ball a quick ball multi ball where you lock a ball in the cellar and then once you plunge another ball in it fires out and you've got a two ball going on there could be a condition that could do that right so i'm thinking things like that where you're just basically trying to work around uh in the in the tornado and you add some things uh, based off of what features are already on the play field where you might be able to stage balls a little bit because they, they already have a locking position or they already have a mechanism whereby they can they go in and can be kicked out. And the cellar is a, is a prime spot to take advantage of and not just be a place to maybe start stuff. But yeah, I mean, with the, you can do something, a few things, I suppose, with a physical ball lock if you wanted to make more than just, you know, the goal of it was always, in my mind, trying to get towards that one multi-ball. I, so you could repurpose it and, and do some other things where you're locking over there for certain modes. Like, again, if you want to do things really mode-based, what I would probably do is maybe kind of hoopsify it a little bit. Uh, try and install a bunch of hurry-ups and do that. Like hoops is a game where there are no modes. There's a multi-ball. I mean, modes isn't traditional like story modes. So hoops has got multi-balls, but everything else is all about hurry-ups. Like the extra balls are hurry-ups. The specials are hurry-ups. The the um, whatever the modes are, where you you know rip the spinner or go into the pops and build your bonus, those are hurry-ups. So whirlwind has a layout where I think because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of places to stage. Like I had my idea with the cellar, but that's really it in the ball lock area. That's like it. Everything else is just targets and stuff. So hurry ups might be a good way to kind of, you know, use that layout and, and get a little bit more out of it. But I wouldn't dramatically rework whirlwind is kind of where. Yeah. I Does I, whirlwind need a reworking is the big question. Right. So, so if you're going to go in and, and say, Oh, I wanted to use this layout and make a whole new game. I not, uh, I'm not really cool with that idea. I, I just don't, I think balancing whirlwind makes a lot of sense, but that's a, that's a pretty straightforward thing. But yeah, in terms of some enhancements, I would say, yeah, maybe uh, change it up where there are a few more hurry ups. I, I really am keen on my idea with the spinning discs and activating those to apply like a play field multiplier. I think that would be a really fun thing. And if you're absolutely, you know, insistent on maybe stripping out the main multiball and using that ball lock area to activate some, well, essentially multi balls, but are themed around something that have different goals with what to do with the balls. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, if that's what you want, but that's about it. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go all out and like do animations. I'd have kept it alpha. I'd kept it alpha numeric. I don't, I don't, you know, it kind of gets back to what we've talked about with a lot of the P3 games. And one of the things we really liked about uh, Scott Denise's game was how he just kept that, as, you know, you have that big screen and he kept it looking like a standard play field for the most part. And the problem is when you have that big area and it's a screen, 
people feel obligated to fill it with animation, but this is pinball and these aren't AAA studios. So they fill it with cell phone game style animation. And it's just, it's huge and in your face and you see its inferiority. And it's like, why would I not just enjoy some art? I have the same mind with this, with Whirlwind and the kit. Why would you take this for granted? It's not nearly as big of a deal because it's in the back in the area, but it's like, why do we need to occasionally see some scarecrows dancing disco like with a two frame difference of just the arms moving um, versus keeping it alphanumeric and not having to worry about dedicating resources to that. You could still do all your new call outs and all that cool stuff. Uh, Audio is easy. Visual is where I think people, they like, they just assume like you just have to do it. Right. And then you end up with some pretty, I mean, it's not fair that we compare this stuff to, triple-A games, like Gollum, but we do. And if your pinball machine looks worse than Gollum, maybe you shouldn't have been animating it. But we'll get to that in a little bit, <laughs> won't we, Tony? Yeah, we'll have a little discussion. All right, uh, last thing for the pinball segment is uh, Rumor Corner. Okay, so on this rumor corner, Tony, I've got an interesting one. Godzilla. I think a lot of people may know this. You probably don't know this because I only found out about this recently, but I don't I don't stay in touch in the topper world all that closely. But here's the thing. Godzilla's pinball topper is coming out this week. In fact, it may be within a couple of days, like forty eight hours of this episode. Has probably. anybody seen it yet? Uh I don't know any I don't know anyone who's seen it yet. Or if I do, they haven't told me they've seen it. Okay. But this is what... what Your topper guy has failed you. My topper my topper sources are not going... You know, I don't... I normally don't care all that much about toppers. But this is Rumor Corner. So here's the thing. For, my understanding is this news is already out there. Okay. My also, my, also, my understanding is that the news that this is going to be a $1,000 topper is already out there. Here's the thing for the Rumor Corner that might be of interest to listeners. What I am hearing, though, is that... Well, this is not going to be as dynamic as the $2,000 toppers that Stern has been doing, like Mandalorian, for example. I have heard that this is supposedly, and I've not seen images, but supposedly this is more than just the flat plastic approach that we saw with Avengers or Jurassic Park. So it's something in between just flat plastics and hologram dynamicism. That's the rumor. Interesting. I would like it to be more than just flat plastics, but at the same time, it's stern. And for a thousand dollars, it might be like flat plastics, except for like a Godzilla head sticking out of the flat plastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards. I'm of two minds. Uh, one mind is, yeah, there, there'll be some sculpt or sculpts in addition to flat plastics. Or the other thing is maybe in the you know the old days where. Um, like I remember the Deadpool topper where it was flat plastics, but it had a spinning thumb. Right. Maybe flat plastics, Godzilla head, but the, the head moves. Maybe something motorized. Yeah. I mean, but for $1,000 with what they charge for toppers nowadays, I'm not expecting a whole lot yeah. because toppers. That's how it is. But anyway, were you rumor Anything to do with Godzilla? 
no more time to me. Okay. Well, we've got video games now, and we don't have anything about Godzilla, I think, in the entire list. We don't. We did receive another game review. I, I still have a few codes available that were turned into us that we don't know what the games are, so if people want to do reviews, email us, eclecticgamerspodcast.gmail.com. We'll send you a Steam code. You download it, play it, and then you can send us a write-up and we'll read it on air about your review of the game. It doesn't have to be very long. Or if you want, you can send an audio file and we we would be willing to also just drop that in, but I don't want to make people feel like they need to get a microphone and do all that. We haven't had anyone do that yet, but one of our potential reviewers has said that that's their plan. Um, They just don't want to hear our velvet tones. So do you want to read uh, Thomas M's review of Beholder, Tony? And do you want to do it in your Bronx accent? Oh, no, definitely not in that accent. You already did forget about it. That's literally about all I can do, and it's terrible already. I am not not an accent uh, guy. Uh, not, Not very good. I can do very poor... Scottish or very poor German that sounds like Scottish. <laughs> that sounds like very poor Scottish. <laughs> so I will just do it in a normalish voice while I try and get the range right for my glasses so that I can actually read it. There we go. <clears throat> the game I received was Beholder. The entire game takes place on one screen. The mechanics are solely point-and-click with the mouse. The characters are black silhouettes with some details in white, like eyes or a tie they may be wearing. The setting is an apartment building in 2D from the side view, cut out so that you can see the apartments. There's a bus stop at the curb that has an arrival departure every 30 seconds or so. At the start of the game... You are moving into the complex as the apartment manager. It is noted that the government is placing you in this role. Upon your move-in, it is not so subtly hinted that the previous manager is being arrested and forced out by this same government. You are given instructions on how to make reports on the tenants, and you are warned that any mistakes on reports you make will result in fines and punishment. You are then given keys to all of the apartments and a sum of money, and your family moves in. As an aside, wow, that's a really creepy premise. Mm -hmm. Your first task is to buy a set of cameras from the store, which is just a sliding menu you click on. Then you sneak into the apartment of the tenant that you want to spy on and install the cameras in his smoke detectors when he's not home. Once you see him making drugs, you click to capture it. Because he will. They they will, for sure. Everything you got to do. No one one can help them make drugs. You click to capture it and then go to your office and make a report to the authorities. Later, the police come in and beat him up and arrest him. This gives you more funds in which you use to renovate his space and get a new tenant in. All during the game, you continuously get reports from the government alerting you to items being banned. This could be things like books by a certain author, manufactured drugs, or something like something simple like pears. You can also get solicitations from shady characters selling you banned items that you can sell later for a nice markup. That is about as far into the game that I have made it so far. As for recommending this game, it would be a stretch to think it would be a hit with most people. My 15-year-old thought it was funny, though. I see Steam codes available for $1.50, and I don't think I would buy it myself for that price. 
but it was worth a laugh or two. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you, Thomas, that's, for that, that's kind of writing. That's kind this, of a creepy game. The way really. it was described reminded me of, and I don't know if you ever played it, it was a game called Papers, Please? Yes, I've played Papers, okay. Please. That's what this reminded me of. It, it uh, does kind of sound like that. Papers, Please was a fun game. I I didn't get I did not do very, very well. far. Yeah. yeah, I was, it would, you you could lose an entire day pouring over someone's passport and then you get in trouble for not going fast enough. Right. It's like, well, but, I, but what if they're a spy? Well, 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 before we settle in real into the big, my wife and daughter have been playing through this new game talking about niche games, mm. unpacking. Okay. In this game, you play a character moving into a living area, an apartment, a house. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe you're sharing it with people, whatever. The entire point of this game is you move in and you've got piles of boxes and you pull all the stuff out of the boxes and then you find the homes for all of the stuff inside the place that you are moving into with some of which already has stuff from other people who live there. So it's like a puzzle game that involves you unpacking boxes and putting clutter away. That sounds absolutely horrible because of the whole time. If I were to play it, I would think, why am I not just doing this in real life and accomplishing? That is my thought. Okay. But they both played it. My daughter has beaten it. My wife's probably beaten it by now, but because she was like on the final level, but it's, it's like, wow. Okay. I thought I played niche games. Yes. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty, that's a pretty special game. It, it's, it's available on switch and steam. You know what? It's probably one of our random codes. I'm starting <laughs> to find that our random codes don't seem to be very good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've, I've gotten to the point where I basically apologize to people when I send them the code. <laughs> I apologize. We haven't advance. had one positive review yet. Now, granted, we've got uh, we've got more codes <laughs> out than we have had reviews come in so far. Right. So I've not given up hope. It's just it's a faint glimmer at this stage. Yes, we just can hope. Glimmer. But you know Maybe. what isn't a faint glimmer? All the important video game All news of that is. the huge news. There's been a lot of stuff. Actually, a lot of this is negative, too, but interesting and not niche. Some of the stuff's pretty big. Yes, it is. Uh, the first thing, which dropped not that long after our last episode came out, um, Overwatch 2 scrapped their PvE mode. Mm-hmm. The mode that is the whole thing they talked about from day one. The whole the- reason why we had to get Overwatch 2 purportedly at the time or so a lot of us felt right because that's all they talked about was the PVE hero mode and the talents and how you could spec your heroes into different things to do the big PVE co-op stuff Um, that mode's gone completely Uh, they have reported that they are still going to put out some uh, PVE and co-op stuff but that main mode that was what their original target was, is gone. Yeah, and I assume this PvE content stuff's probably going to feel like Junkenstein's Revenge Exa- and those sort of little of it, which I've enjoyed. Fun. I've enjoyed, but it wasn't... So for those that don't don't follow Overwatch... And again, you had to really follow it at the time. So when Overwatch 2 was announced, this was like 2018-ish? 19-ish? Something like, something yeah, like years that. Ago, years ago. 19. It was 19. So at the time... There, the the argument was all right. Overwatch Two is going to come out. It's going to be a retail purchase game, which is what Overwatch One was. 
but um, all of the so to not split the player base, the PvP was not going to cost anything. So anyone who was still playing Overwatch 1 was going to still have the same PvP experience with the Overwatch 2 players. Basically, Overwatch 2 would be auto-downloaded because all Overwatch 1 is is PvP. Right. But you were going to buy Overwatch 2, so you get these stories. There were going to be these talent trees, as Tony noted, so you'd be able to spec out this. I mean, there was a cinematic announcing Overwatch 2 where there's a cool scene where Reinhardt, one of the main, main tanks in the game, and Brigitte, one of the main supports in the game, merge their shields together. That's not a capability that exists in the PvP. But the idea was you'd be able to spec and do that for the PvE experience. Right. And for those that don't know, PvE is player versus enemy, and PvP is player versus player. So PvE often means single player or co-op play, and PvP is fighting other humans. Um, and so then what made it so interesting, uh, and why I think a lot of people are downright pissed about this, is when that announcement happened, support for Overwatch 1 basically evaporated. Like, they, they they kept the game running. What I mean is there was no new content. And this was very much a game-as-service approach. So, like, we didn't get any new characters after Echo came out. There weren't any new maps. There weren't any new modes. They kept recycling the same PvE experiences. Like, it was yep. the same Junkenstein's Revenge every single year for Halloween and all of that. And then finally, in October of last year, Overwatch 2 comes out. And they were telling us, okay, well, the PvE... E isn't ready yet. So we're going to drop Overwatch 2. It's going to be an automatic free upgrade for everyone. Everyone's going to get Overwatch 2, and it's basically just going to be Overwatch with better graphics. Okay, and that's what we've been doing since then. Now, as of Overwatch 2's release, we're getting support on the PvP again. They're doing seasons, right? and there's usually a new character every other season, and there's map new maps on you know the opposite, whatever. They're, they're, they are doling out content like they used to. Um. But when they made the change, they shifted their funding model because now they weren't selling retail games. So with Overwatch 1, there was a loot crate system, highly controversial gambling loot crate system. But with Overwatch 1, not the biggest controversy because it was all just for cosmetic skins. Right. That's all the loot crates were for. They've dropped having that option now. So most of the things that you want cosmetic-wise, you have to buy with real money. And the only way to earn real money in the game is by completing weekly challenges. And as I mentioned to Tony uh, last week, we had just, I had read online, crossed the threshold where if you had done, there are three tiers of weeklies. If you had done all three tiers since launch, you finally had enough to buy one legendary skin, which is like 20 bucks. One. Yes. 20 bucks. Yes. And so... The loot crate systems had frustrations because of the gambling nature and people not getting what they wanted, but you could earn a lot of in-game currencies and buy a lot of the older skins by, quote-unquote, for basically free. Anyone right. who played a lot could get all the skins they wanted, essentially. That's not true anymore. You can't grind more coins in Overwatch 2. Once the weeklies are done, that's it. There's no other way to get more coins. And doing Except all three tiers it. doing all three tiers is really, really challenging. Um uh, Mike, who's been on our uh, show before with our E3 episodes in the past, he and I play Overwatch together, and we do we work on the weeklies. We usually stop at tier two unless unless the week's gone great and we think we can get tier three done because you get less coins every tier, and tier three is a, it's a lot of work. Like it's just a lot of play. You do more work and you get less for it. Yes, which I don't blame them for that because they wanted to discourage feeling like you get thirty coins for tier one, twenty for two, and ten for three. And that way you kind of, 
I think psychologically it helps discourage. Uh, I mean, that's my boat is like, do I really want to invest uh, another 10 hours in play to get to the third tier when it only took a total of 10 hours of play to get the first two? Right. It's kind of like that. So it's like, oh, I'm not sinking. I, I play it less, I feel, than I did Overwatch 1 for those uh, sets of challenges. It's just, they're more, they're not, it's not as bad as it was. But so a lot of people at this point, though, long story short, are like, well, we were we were told we were going to get this PVE experience. And now what's happened is we've been moved to, to this new ecosystem. Overwatch one, when it came out, they promised there wouldn't be sales stuff like this, but now we're not in that anymore. So those promises don't hold. So I think that's where a lot of the pushback comes from. There are a lot of people that were really looking forward to a more single player experience. And I was too, but we were never billed for it either. We were supposed to have to buy the PVE. And since that didn't happen, I'm not personally as upset. Right. It's just, it's sort of been a, I mean, the way they sold it when they did this announcement, they were like, well, now, you know, we, we just realized, I mean, they made it sound like it was all of a sudden, and but there's a lot of suspicion that they knew the PVE wasn't going to happen when they launched Overwatch 2 back in October. I don't know if that's true or not. But the question is, what have you been doing for the last X number of years? Just sitting there and failing because. Yeah. It's really odd for them to just come out after such a long time and be like, well, no, this isn't good. Well, this isn't I working mean, out. So we're just dropping it. I mean, I get it in a way the the idea of the talent tree system with this many characters, I, I can't think of any game that has that. If they were worried about balance, Especially that could definitely be that would be the biggest issue, right? Be, like trying to. But if the balance is, or if if it's only if the talent tree only affects the PVE, then it's not as big of a deal. I agree, though. Um, they may have been some sensitivities to the idea of people playing through all the modes and stuff with the same four characters or whatever, because you, you're you're playing with your friend. Oh no, I get to have Reinhardt because Reinhardt's broken because he's got talents that are better than everyone else's and right. stuff. I don't know. So no one I don't know. Yeah, I said no one ever. But <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's a uh, it's there've been a lot of memes. I've read a lot of fun memes <laughs> about uh people. The one thing is in the in the world of Reddit, according to Reddit, everyone's now quit playing Overwatch, which is uh which is not true. That's very uh, and in fact the the Overwatch League uh viewer numbers I tuned in yesterday to earn my Overwatch League tokens, which are their own currency for stuff, just to put it on in the background on one of my computers and it had 45,000 viewers. So there's still people clicking and and wanting those tokens. Yeah, it's it's not it's not it's the, not dead. It's this just is, it's just people are less like it's just more the the blindsidedness of it. Like holy crap, all the, you've been working on this for like four years since announcement, and purportedly they'd started planning on Overwatch two two years before the reveal, which right. would fit. But it's like and now it feels like they're saying, well, we spent seven years on PVE and we've given up, and these assurances of like some of these elements are going to show up as events and stuff. It's not, it's not, no, it's not a, the salve that people were hoping it would be. You all have phones, don't you? Yes. (laughs) Speaking of you all have phones, don't you? BlizzCon will be returning in person for the first time since 2019 when they were like, Hey, y'all got phones, don't you? That was, I don't know why they continue this event. I, I, I don't know. There will be more information coming soon uh, in the next month. I wrote down in the notes next week, but I'm pretty sure they said in June. Oh, okay. So, um, 
So there'll be more information coming out about it soon because so far the only information they've dropped is that it is returning in November as an in-person event. Because as you recall, they did the online event in 20 and 21, and then in 22s they just canceled it all right. told. Correct. So uh, we'll see what happens. The last several BlizzCons leading up through 219 hadn't been great. That's why I don't understand why they – I mean – I guess I kind of get it because the Diablo and but that I, I, but I, but the thing is the Diablo drops in June right that's the I don't that's I don't know unless they want to talk about like DLC or something like what's there to I, <sighs> maybe they're planning on it taking until November they're just not to get that the popular they're just not out. that popular anymore to have their own con that's my right. stance and I and I think you're right and I don't think it's going to be. Maybe they think that they'll be under Microsoft by then, and then people might actually be excited. But I just don't think there's going to be enough news in that case. I don't. I don't like, think there will be either. I, I figured it. Well, I, I thought know. BlizzCon was dead. Yeah. So, and I mean, it wouldn't be the first time something they that somebody had said it was going on, and then it canceled. They canceled E three. E three. Yeah, got canceled only a few months out. So, um, also uh, in discussions. Uh, it's come out Final Fantasy 16 in a very big difference than most of the recent Final Fantasy games. They have no planned DLC. Okay. So they're not going to do like um, 13, which had like three, which turned into a trilogy because of how they ended up doing it, or 15 that had a ton of DLC so that the game actually had a story that completed, uh, or the MMO versions that obviously have tons of DLC because that's how a live MMO works. Um, they say there's not pl- they've not planned any DLC, but I mean, this is the same company that found out that so many people liked Final Fantasy X that they decided to make the the Maku Maku dress up version of mm. it with ten two, where everybody changed clothes all the time. Yes, <laughs> lots of outfits, all of the outfits, but they don't have to worry about that in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, there was a PlayStation showcase this week. Uh, dumped a lot of information on PlayStation. I've only got a couple things in here about it because they dumped so much information. Uh, I found it interesting that Square announced Foam Stars. Mm. It's a 4v4 party shooter with foam. It, that it sounds Splatoon. a little... Okay. It, 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 it it's, sounds a little it, inky. It, it is slutty Splatoon. Splatoon. It's literally... All of the characters are like cartoony rave-looking characters with mm. guns that shoot foam. Okay. And like champagne bottles and stuff. So I, okay. it, it's like it's literally my very first thought when I watched the trailer was slutty Splatoon. So okay, it well sure why not? Uh, Splatoon is a hugely popular game. I just, but you know I understand why they would want to copy it, but yeah, it's just we'll see. Uh, they released a bunch a new trailer for the first person magic shooter Immortals of Avaeum. Uh, I know we talked about this last summer. It's a very magic-based first-person shooter. Um, I have to say the trailer didn't really impress me that much uh, because it's basically first-person Mega Man. That's what it amounts to. Okay. You have all sorts of spells, but you've got like a thing on your arm, and you just kind of hold your arm out, and you move your fingers, and stuff happens in magic. It, it, yeah, it, it's that's a, how magic works. It's a first-person shooter using magic instead of guns basically um hell divers 2 was announced with a very starship troopers trailer um that i would just 
I, I never really played the original Helldivers. I've watched some people play the original Helldiver. Uh, it, it's, it, it's fine. It's a third person shooter, but the trailer is just, it's a little crazy. Um, but we'll see how that goes. I I've seems to have got a very positive rep. We'll see what happens. Uh, Metal Gear Solid three uh, remake was yeah, announced. Right. So it's, they're calling it Metal Gear Solid Delta snake eater. So, uh, about the most interesting thing to me, Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake is a really good game. I, I, if people haven't played it, uh, I would recommend it. It's a it's a fun story. The mechanic with the flashlight actually works really well. Yep. Uh, I was I was really surprised. I, that was a game uh, that was kind of up my alley, and it was a bit of a gamble though because I thought the flashlight mechanic was going to get really annoying. Uh, but no, I, that game was really good, and I was very surprised. I, honestly. Initially, I was surprised that there wasn't a sequel, and then I, at this point, am surprised they were able to make it happen. Right, because it's been so long. And and originally, I, I've played Alan Wake as well, and I agree with you. It's an amazing game that I I played it because you said it was really good, so I played it, and it was really good. It is. It's very good. So if you haven't played it, I highly recommend it. But yeah, no, there's a sequel coming, and they had some gameplay in it, so... Uh, it'll be out this October, supposedly, until it gets delayed like everything else. Yeah. Um, there's another Assassin's Creed coming. Yep. Everybody knows that. It, it, it's expected. Another one that was surprising to me, Street Fighter Six. They're finally moving on from Street Fighter Five. Mm. Yeah, there were some... Uh, I, I, I'd heard about this one coming, so this... This didn't surprise me. I don't I don't know if uh, Evo this year is going to have six or not. I don't think it'll... I mean, I don't think it'll be out yet, right. fully well, out yet. Anyway, I think it'll I, be a big deal when it finally comes out. Right. Uh, this one is actually back on Xbox as well. Five so was not. Five was just on the PlayStation. Yes. One. It was one of those uh, forever exclusives that they somehow are allowed to arrange legally. But, but you can't buy a company. Hmm. Yes. So. Well, that's how it is. That's how it is. Um, mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's the first Spider-Man was That's going to be a huge game. hit. It's yeah, going to be That's very hit. popular. I mean, they would, I don't know. I don't know that they could, if they took the engine from the first Spider-Man and just made a new story using the same engine and no changes to it, it would be a huge hit. As long as they don't like massively jack it up like get all emo hair that breaks the game type stuff going on. It should be fine. Right. It's going to be a massive hit. And then Sony revealed Project Wii U. I mean Project Q. A DualSense controller with a screen powered by the cloud because apparently they just need to do what what, what Nintendo did. Now I had heard that this uh, the way it streams is only off of your console. Like the games need to be installed on the, or is it games you are? I don't know. I didn't look into it. I didn't look too deeply into it. I mean, that's kind of how the Wii U was, is that you had to have the games on the console and it hmm. sent stuff. And then there was stuff you could do separately. It's well, not It's not a Switch. Right, right. And I think it's, I guess it's probably good then. The controller looks enormous though. Yeah, it, 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 well. it, 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 I don't. I don't, I don't understand. I, I just figure it's for people that want to play in bed or on the couch or not at their TV. Maybe. I Even guess, though the yeah. PS5s are usually hooked up to, the, like most people have TVs in their bedroom or at their couch or whatever. But 
Hey, it, don't you have a TV? Yeah, don't show off TVs. Um, but they're not competing with Switch with this. No, so I, which no. is I think smart. I think their Vita days are behind them. So, um, leaving the PlayStation discussions, and like I said, I, there was a lot of games I didn't. Yeah, talk I heard. About. Uh, I heard there was some criticism actually about the showcase, uh, and not the least of which, apparently, like Microsoft was live tweeting during it, basically saying all the uh, like some of their they were making the same announcement, saying all this stuff's on Xbox too. <laughs> so a little, little. I think maybe they've gotten a little trolly in there. Maybe uh, in their maybe they've monopolistic little... rage. Yeah. Um, Homeworld three's been delayed. Mm. It was supposed to be out first half of this year, and now oh. they're saying 2024. Oh, that's quite a delay. So, um, and then as Dennis has hinted at. My pieces. We swears it. We swears it's good. Plays us. Play Golem. Plays it's us. okay. Plays it's, us. it's fine. No, it, it Golem. It's been so bad. <laughs> it's been so bad. I actually had someone tell me I should get it because I was laughing so much at all this stuff, and I'm like, because I like Lord of the Rings a lot, Tony. I but know. $60. And I've wondered, is it going to be like a so bad it's good experience? Because that's not what I'm reading. That's not but how it sounds. I want it to be because I want to place it. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I saw a video comparing uh, post and pre-patch uh, one little section of the game where um, pre-patch, they were getting four FPS post patch to fix everything it was 28 <laughs> so much better the human eye can't see <laughs> 20 for a second oh it's just the the there 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 was like a there was like game breaking bugs that you could fix by like turning off the hair physics <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um so yeah it's been i mean a lot of review sites, you know, normally you're used to seeing like review grade inflation, but this game no, scores are no. really bad. I, I, <laughs> IGN rated it like a 60%. That's high. Uh, off of their early release copy and has said in talking about the issues with it that maybe they rated it high. Like what you run it on <laughs> some sort of cray system. That, <laughs> and that's what it seems like. It's like it basically... This game runs great if you have the perfect exact right build for it, which does not include any of the consoles that it's playable on. Right. You have to have like this exact perfect PC to run it. It is very issuey. And if you've not seen Golem with his emo clove cigarette smoking hair. <laughs> You are missing out on He's something so very adorable. special. He's so adorable. He's the, like Misa me so sad. Misa so listen to Misa so listen to Muse. <laughs> the very first thing I saw when, when, when I saw the pictures, the very I don't first know why thing I started I doing thought, the Jar Jar voice there with it, the because Misa. it's 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 more appropriate. I forgot who I was voicing. It's more appropriate. In all honesty, you should say people gonna laugh. <laughs> Dennis chokes to death. Continue, please. Uh, 
But it, it, it the very first thing that popped in my head was the uh, uh, the South Park goths. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when I okay. saw him with the hair. Yeah, the no, I get it. <laughs> oh, it's so terrible. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this game a bunch in the last years. It's been coming up because we're trying to figure out really how do you make a game off this premise in the first place? I still don't actually understand what type of game it is. It's a stealthy action game. <laughs> I mean, it's too unplayable to be anything. Well, and it seems but... like there's a lot of like decision tree stuff that pops up because a lot of the memes I'm seeing are are things like Golem's encounters an orc and then he gets a choice like like uh, kill him or run away, and people add. Uh, new options for Gollum, <laughs> some of which are, are too inappropriate for this podcast. Yes. And, and so I, I'm just like, uh, it's it's super weird. Um, now, I've, I've heard something in my research of this that I thought was very interesting. So the, the company that's produced this was D- Daedalic. Daedalic is the publisher. Supposedly, they actually have the rights to do another Lord of the Rings game. And so that's come up for, for two reasons. One is people asking questions about like how much work are they going to put into trying to fix Gollum if they're, they want to move on to this other game. And the other is playing guess the next game <laughs> based off of what this, you know, this, this stealth Gollum game <laughs> with, with emo hair. It's a Tom I, Bombadil rhythm I, game. I did see someone uh, think about a game that was Tom Bombadil. The name is a rhythm. They thought it would be something else. I don't remember what it was. There was a uh, count uh, farmer maggots crop like math game <laughs> was an idea. There was the Bilbo Baggins walking simulator where he just walks around Middle Earth and you just click on stuff. Um, and then there was the one where everyone is hopeful for, even though it would probably be messed up, would be the concerns based off of Gollum. And that would be uh, a Shire farming sim. But it's, they want to like have like a, a, a managed Hobbiton and be able to grow crops and and stuff. And, it, it, and, it's Stardew and Shire. Pipe weed. Stardew Shire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So there were some comparisons to that. Like, I want Stardew Valley, but in Tolkien's world. Make it happen. No. No. What it need? What, what they need is they need a Shire based dating simulator mm. i didn't see that one i did see someone suggest uh mary and pippin and they're like going around trying to get second breakfast like it's that <laughs> it's a mary pippin simulator where they just are trying to get as much food into them as they can i, I don't know i don't know. but um i have not been able to bring myself to buy this not at 60 dollars. i did check to see if it was a games with gold not yet not yet not yet. Is it is it available on Game Pass? I don't know because maybe I don't it's have the Game thing Pass. that finally gets you to buy into Game Pass. I, you know, I don't. Then you'd be able to pay, play newer games, and you I could, could argue that they were free. I could, maybe someday, but I'm still working on uh, Double Kick Kicker or whatever the name of that game was. I already <laughs> forgot the name of. Now, Daedalic has apologized. For the mm. poor state of the release. Well, that's kind of them. I'm glad their apologies are, are so wonderful. It didn't stop them from releasing it. <laughs> Even the thought that they were like, man, this is real rough. We should probably hold. But you know, the problem is that they've delayed it twice already. Significantly. I, yeah. But I don't know. 
Do we honestly think they're going to No Man's Sky or, or Cyberpunk this and fix it? No. I don't think they will. Not at all. But we could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they just they just tweeted thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's a good point. Uh, uh. <laughs> Nintendo has issued a DMCA takedown notice to Valve. Uh, because apparently on Steam, they had what was called the Dolphin Emulator. It, it, it's a straight-up Wii and GameCube emulator. So instead of the back alley uh, uh, downloading an emulator from some random guy somewhere to run your hacked ROMs of Nintendo games, you could just straight-up buy it on Steam. Nintendo was a little unhappy about that. Yes. Now, I haven't, I've not looked much into this one. However, I did read some claims that emulators, true emulators, are legal. They are. And some had claimed Nintendo, under Japanese copyright law, has to do these lawsuits uh, just to preserve the copyright that they don't actually expect to win. Right. Because uh, I've heard that this lawsuit is because these games are new enough that there is um, coding in the games that is encrypted, which means the encryption had to be broken, okay. which is a violation. Interesting. Okay. To make it work. That's the claim. All right. The company that made, or the, the, the developers that made the emulator only found out about the takedown notice when Steam told them about it. Mm. Nintendo never talked, right. talked they to them went right through they the went straight to They yeah. went straight to, to Valve. So... We'll see how that goes and if they can make changes to keep it. So now for the big one, the one everybody's been waiting for. Like we said last week, the EU approved the merger of Microsoft, Activision Blizzard, King. Um, They did secure concessions about cloud gaming. Those concessions that they secured basically requires that um, European gamers can stream any Activision Blizzard game they own via any cloud gaming service. Basically, they have to license all of those games to all cloud services so that you can get it on whichever one you prefer. That, okay. that, that, that's the, and that's for like 10 years, I think, is what it was. That's the concession they got. Okay. And that's something that, Microsoft had already been doing that. That's why they've been making all these 10-year deals with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the UK, uh, as we talked about before, had denied the merger, and they responded. Uh, uh, the, the UK CMA had responded saying that they stand by their decision to block it, while the EU was saying, well, we, think it, we don't think it's fair to block it. Um, but... The the CMA's decision has had some bounce back uh, within the UK. Uh, the CMA bosses were called before the Business and Trade Committee to answer MPs' questions about um, why they reached a different decision than the EU. And they were questioned about if they had considered the effects of blocking the deal would have on the UK's reputation and uh, such. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things that they were questioned pretty hard by MPs uh, in Parliament. This is not the first time that the CMA has blocked something that has been controversial. Uh, they recently blocked 
a uh, merger between like two grocery stores chains because it would make them too big. Uh, even though much like this, it's still it would have made them the number one because it was a bit like the number two and the number three grocery store chains in the country merging, and they were like, "No, you can't do that." Um, but uh, the UK Chancellor Jeremy Hunt uh, called on the regulator to understand that they have a wider responsibility. Uh, to promote economic growth within the UK and that that is something they need to consider because the CMA is not a direct governmental organ. It is a separate thing. So the government has like some oversight, but not direct control of. And now there's starting to be some unconfirmed reports coming out. Um, one thing is confirmed for sure. One of the senior, uh, directors of the CMA, Colin Rafferty, uh, did previously work for the law firm that represented Sony through the entire thing. The unconfirmed part of it is that there's reports coming from inside the CMA, uh, that he was the driving force behind blocking the merger and he was the one who forced it through. Which brings in concerns, obviously, of uh, should he have recused himself from being, even being involved because of his ties to one side's legal team. Yeah, that one's tough. I, I did read a little bit about that one as well, and I heard some reports that that law firm is very large. Um, and so there were some questions that were, well, when he was there, did he ever work on Sony's accounts? Or are we saying that right. if you work for any mega law, because some of these law firms have all the big clients. So it's like, he, would he have to like sit out of like anything that involved a Fortune 500 company because they all use them? Some right. stuff. So I don't know yet whether there's really anything there or not. But, and and, and the, yeah, because that but, was the question I, I heard. I read that and that um, it has been. A while since he worked for that law firm, right? Yeah, that's another so thing I saw. So it's not like he left that law firm and went straight to CMA. He left that law firm and went to another law firm mm-hmm. before going on. So there's been some time. But I would be more interested in knowing, like, whether or not maybe he had any personal relationships with the lawyers who advocated for Sony because he used to work with them professionally. Correct. I, you know, I think it's fair to ask some questions here. I just, I, I'm not convinced yet that that's why he was the person trying to get the merger blocked. He might just have that ideology in general right. but but it, it's interesting but yeah no and that and that could be uh it's just another one of those things i don't think this is the route that there that that that's the route microsoft activision blizzard king is going to go to try and uh break it they've got plenty of other stuff to yeah. talk about i think i think it's just coming up because a lot of people are kind of like why are all these other countries approving this and asking for concessions and the UK's body CMA is like, we don't think you can achieve any particular concessions. Uh, we're not really negotiating it. We're just going to say you can't do it. Right. And even in, in their thing where you, they said you can't merge because this could be a problem in their, in, in their document, they even said, well, cloud gaming is not really a thing right now. Right. And so it's, that's that's the part that stuck out to me when I I saw the read the summary of their reasons for rejection and I was like okay I because I sympathize with the with the concerns and Microsoft does have the infrastructure in a far superior state than many others for cloud gaming but cloud gaming is just not really done right, right now so why are you blocking things on on these like woulda coulda shouldas like I thought we were about trying to stop yeah you know, like having a monopoly form and you're like trying to forecast how cloud gaming is going to incubate if it ever even becomes a thing. Right. I mean, we think it will because we 
think clouds are fun and clouds happened in applications and stuff. But I, you know, there's a whole lot of what ifs with like bandwidth and internet and download speeds and throttling and all these things that have are huge. There are barriers to cloud gaming beyond just the companies being able to host it. Right. That anyway, I don't know. I just thought it seemed um, so speculative was the part that was surprising. I mean, again, the EU was speculative to a degree, but there's also this notion of at some point, do the competitors have like zero obligation or do they have to like, we give them a 10 year window and they can choose to take advantage of this to catch up. And then Microsoft can start being like limiting once more that. And that's pretty common to do an arrangement where not to, not to bring up wristwatches too much again, but for example, uh, Swatch group owns a movement manufacturer called ETA. They acquired that as part of the, uh, moves to long story short to save watches when quartz got evented right uh, mechanical watches were in big trouble and the swiss organized a lot of stuff under swatch group and etta was one of those things that made movements for a lot of different watches swatch group wanted to stop selling those movements to competitors because swatch group makes a lot of watches they own omega they own uh they own flick flack they own uh Breguet. And so when they went to do that, the Swiss government came in and said, no, 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 no. This was an arrangement to save the industry. If you want to stop selling your movements elsewhere, we have to have a multi-year window where people can develop their own infrastructure to make their own movements. So you have to keep doing it for a few years, but not forever. Not forever. And we've passed that point. So if Swatch doesn't want to sell out of movements to anyone else, they don't have to. And that's why you saw the surge in in in-house movements from other manufacturers is because they were told the supply may go away. Right. Because this company is asking for the right to move away from But because everyone had agreed and consolidated under that, there needed to be a ramp off. So that's where I see the value in the 10-year ramp off for Microsoft to, you know, all right, you got to put everything out on every single cloud for a while, but not forever. Because at some point, people have an obligation. These Your competitors have an obligation to figure it out if they care about it. Right. And a decade's a long time. But the UK stance was kind of like... Um, you you seem to be number one right now, so uh, no. What about if we do no? What do we do a hundred years? No, a thousand? No, no. You is that? He knows the future. He knows what is coming. They will prevent you from being the evil. Did I ever tell you about the story of Darth Sony the Wise? They'd say they say with simple former lawyers. They could take the life force right out of you. I don't think it'd be required. And put it into their own wall guards. will do it. Sorry. (sighs) Anyway, I don't know what's going on. It's weird. Yeah, it it is. And the only big, the only major player left is the U.S. And if the U.S. comes back and approves it, then because the latest things I've seen out of the CMA is them basically saying the U.S. hasn't approved it yet. So we could be right. We could be siding with the U.S., which is. That's true. USA. USA. We'll see. So, but that's all I have for video games this week. Okay. Well, we're done. This was a meaty episode it was full, a, of, it was a full of steak, steak, maybe some potatoes. Mm-hmm. If you want to reach out to us about any of these meaty elements, you can email us at collectedgamerspodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us at facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. Uh, we also have 
a Discord. Oh yes, that we've we haven't really talked about it in a while. It's too hard. To, the links are weird. The so links we can't are so just, weird. We can't say the links. So right, but it's in the show notes. It's in the show notes, and it is a good place to talk to us. Mm-hmm. We 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 have yeah. a fair number of conversations going on. It's actually reasonably. It's not one of those really busy discords, so don't feel like you're going to get flooded with notifications. Right. But it's not unusual for us to see a few posts a week. Yeah, and 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 just have some interesting conversation. And every once in a while, I'll dump my meme folder into mm. the memes. Yes, I saw section. that you had done that. So, all right. Well, uh, until a couple weeks from now, my name is Dennis. I'm Tony. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.